welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. I'm pretty pumped. Um, it's been a lot of sport on TV. It's got nothing to do with it. Uh, no, it's just a little bit, little bit to do with it. Uh, eating normal, nice, lovely food again. See you, accelerate people, behave yourselves. Thank you, Erin, champion children's ministry leader, heading out with a dozen or so of the uh, kids in the children's ministry. Um, oh, yeah, we've had a good time, uh, and uh, I have a real love-hate relationship with fasting. Um, and uh, I'm not a happy camper when I'm hungry, so that's just really humbling because <laughs> By- Byron pointed it out. We had a meeting the other day of some kind, and he just goes, hungry? And uh, he basically was saying, you've been a real whinger, you know, because... <laughs> and, and everyone Ruth will just say, babe, you know, because I'm around the house and just a bit hangry, Ruth calls it. Um, anyway, praise the Lord for food, yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, you know, I want to talk about vision. Why are we here? What are we doing? Where are we heading? What, you know, what's life all about and why do we gather regularly and who, who are we? Uh, because here's the deal. We want to catch hold of God's vision for his church. We don't want to just run ahead uh, and go where the Holy Spirit isn't leading. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? And that's what we've always want to do for the last 25 years. We've been as a church and we haven't always got it right. Uh, but praise God, he's gracious and good to us. And he uh, tells us in the Bible that we can have the mind of Christ. So we can still find out as flawed and fractured as we are in our thinking, we can still catch something of what God is thinking, and what God is wanting to do and what he's leading us towards. And so we want to catch his plans and desires for his church, for our lives, for the community that he places us in, for this time of history. I mean, you read and look at history, we've all got this little drop in the bucket, haven't we, of, of this massive human history, and, and we can appreciate, wow, life, life is short and fragile, but also wonderful and, and useful for not just our enjoyment, but for something a little bigger and better than that. And that's what we want to talk about today. So um, it's a new year. In effect, we're sort of launching another 25 years. As we talked about last September, I think it was, and we celebrated 25 years, and we were excited to consider the next 25 years. And it's a new decade. And, uh, and so it's an exciting time to consider... You know, what does God see for us? What is he doing? Where is he going? And the good news is God does have vision. <laughs> that God, uh, you know, is full of ideas. And he's excited about your life and about where he wants to help you go in your life. And if you look in the Bible, you see God talking about this a number of times. Here's a, uh, a wonderful passage from the book of Isaiah. And this is the prophet speaking to Israel back in the day and also to God's people today. And of course, God says there, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, this is the Lord speaking, I'm doing a new thing. 
now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Isn't that interesting? God can do something and sometimes people don't see it. Sadly, many people don't see it. We're told the gospel is foolishness to so many people. And perhaps you had that experience. Before I was a Christian, I remember thinking, it doesn't make sense. It's just stupid. It's just ridiculous. You know? And then your eyes are open and then it all makes sense. And you think, well, how dumb was I? I never saw it. I never got it. it was, and the Bible talks about you know, scales taken from our eyes. And so it's important that we position ourselves so we can see what God is trying to show us. Just because God is doing something or saying something or revealing something doesn't mean we necessarily get it. That's why we pray. That's why we spend times where we seek him. That's why we turn off the, the phone and the television and the screens and the noise of the, the world and have moments where we can perceive what God is showing us. You know, Because he is deliberately setting us up to have a walk of faith. He could easily just have angels appear every morning. You wake up, da-da, there's the alarm, ba-ba, here's the news. And there's this great big white shining dude says, here's your to-do list, slap you in the face, wake you up. Yes, God, you know, and then it would, it would be so obvious and easy that there'd, there'd be no faith required. And so we are, we are, you know, called to walk by faith and, and God reveals himself as we step into that spirit realm beyond just the obvious physical realm we're in. And so God's doing new things. He says, it's springing up now. Do you not perceive it? And then he says, look, I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Again, how good is God? Because he will always find a way to help you get through difficult times. And we've all had wilderness seasons or we're, oh, I feel like my life's a waste. I'm in a wasteland, you know. And God says, hey, streams in the wasteland. I'm going to help you find a way forward. He doesn't just leave us alone. And let us die in the desert. It's awesome. Um, so notice again the importance right there of not getting locked into the past. And tragically, too many people let their past control their future. It's affecting them today, right now, even now. You know, you've got all kinds of thoughts going through your head, and some of them might keep revisiting about something that went in the past. It could be painful. It could be someone who's hurt you. You find it hard to forgive, to forget. Or it could be something that was wonderful and positive, but if you're not careful, you'll, what do they say? You rest on your laurels or you'll just reminisce about the good old days. You'll just sort of exp- try and relive the, 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 the glory days, whereas there's no point because you can't go back and live that, really. It's just memories. You're actually moving forward into the future Time is ticking. We are always going forward. We should prepare for it. That's what God's saying. God's saying, look, don't worry about the past, whether it was good or bad. Just put it in perspective. Forget that because that's not where you're heading. Amen? And so this is good for us to go, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, it's all right to have memories. Take lots of photos of the kids, you know, as you do. And, uh, and, you, and you, you know, you look at, we got Eleanor's, you know, baby book out the other day. Oh, you're cute when you're little and now look at your baby and you so we have memories but you don't live there and it's growing up you know behaves slightly better and when and um and now she's a mother it's incredible it's very humbling doesn't it you know when you see your own children becoming parents it's um it makes you realize you're not here forever you're getting old um so so on that so on that note um, hand over to the new pastor, <laughs> Juniper. <laughs> um, so, 
Not yet. I'm holding on. White knuckles. Yes. No. <laughs> I'll let this pulpit go as soon as God lets me. It's okay. I'm never holding on. It's all right. But, um, you know, God's doing something new. And look, it's an exciting adventure when we follow God and what he has for us. Uh, but sadly, some lives aren't that exciting, even Christians, and sometimes their life, rather than reading like an exciting story, can read like the obituary columns or some you know, boring part of the newspaper because there's not a lot going on. Or other lives are like reading the, uh, the gossipy section of you know, society pages and who's doing this and that, and it's all a bit of drama and intrigue, but really not much is going on. And that's you know, some people's lives, a lot of froth and, and no substance. And, uh, but, but our lives, it should read as thrilling as the sports section when Manly's won the grand final. I have a couple of support. All right, all right, all right. If you're not a sports fan, it should be as thrilling if you're an artist as your favourite painter winning the Archibald. Or if you want to be even more highbrow, it should be as thrilling as the book review section when one of your favourite scientists has released something in the Australian Medical Journal. You know, I'm just trying to spread the net. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound thrilling to me, but I'm sure, like Luke and Shelley, you know, medical scientists up there, perhaps they'd just be thrilled. Uh, and maybe they will write uh, a piece that gets published in a journal and, uh, and it'd be so exciting. So... Um, what I'm saying is every life that we have, our lives, your life is a story, right? And, and, it, and it should be exciting and full of hope and vision for the future and promise and, and it should affect every part of our life, you know, your career and your family and your health and your finances and, and you can catch and pursue dreams for each part of your life. Um, and sometimes you've got to recatch them because life happens and that dream that you had got smashed, let's face it, it just didn't work out and, and that's tough. Uh, but so then we re-envisage, recalculate and, and catch another vision and, and are flexible. Uh, and, and so you can build a great career and get that promotion and find that life partner and believe for that wonderful home and have great experiences. And that's all cool. But here's the kicker. The best starting point for the best life you could have doesn't start with you. The focus for our life to be great is ironically not on ourselves. It, it, you know, we want like to have a wonderful, balanced, successful, blessed life is not going to eventuate just by focusing or pursuing the dreams that we come up with by ourselves because that will just feed selfishness. It'll be a limited kind of thinking and perspective that we have if we're doing it all on our own. And you'll fall short of living the very best life that you could because there's someone who knows more about life than you and me and that's the Lord. And God has a plan for your life. And we discover that, again, not by just focusing on ourselves, uh, but focusing on Him. And so that's, you know, where... Uh, God calls us to another passage in Isaiah. He says, look, I've got a higher way of thinking. I've got a higher way of, of doing life than you. And we need to capture that. And, and we only catch it, and here's the paradox, when we give up our life. We want this great life. Well, the twist is we just basically need to surrender our life 
and follow Jesus to the cross, sacrifice ourselves and lose it all. Humble ourselves, consecrate ourselves, commit ourselves and say, Lord, I just, uh, that's it. I won't, I, I won't pursue anything. I die to myself. And we descend into greatness when we do that. So our starting point for, for dreaming and envisioning, envisioning this great future doesn't start with ourselves but with God because Jesus said when you lose your life, then you'll find it. You know, If you hang on to your life, then you actually end up losing it or not getting the best life that you could have if you just come to me. So when we lay down our lives, when we ah, seek him, and find him, then we find the best vision for our life. And we find that our lives then become part of a bigger vision, a bigger, more important dream than just paying off the mortgage and having a holiday or, you know, whatever temporal, but still suitable and appropriate things we can pursue in life, but, but not the high priorities. That God calls us to. And people talk about us oh, seeing the big picture, you know, like, oh, we've got to you know, step back, see the big picture. And that's so true because God has the best, biggest picture of all. And, and so we need to stop and get perspective to see God's picture and then find our place in it. Because again, if our life is a story, think of it as a movie, you have a choice. You can make the movie all by yourself. And you can be the star of the show and you can write the plot, the screenplay and you can direct it and you can do all the technical stuff on your own. And, it, and, and for most of us, uh, that would be a pretty hopeless movie in the real sense, you know, of actually if you were given a, a camera and said, knock yourself out. And what, there was a, a movie that became popular. They made a movie about the worst movie ever made that was around and it was just hilarious how bad this movie was. Uh, that this guy had made. It's got a cult following because he was just, I can't remember it, but it was around a few years ago and it was just fascinating to see how, how bad a movie could be. Well, some people's lives are like that because they've taken the choice to do it all by themselves. Uh, and every now and then you'll see some actors cross over to be kind of directors and screenplay writers and all that and you think, hang on, you were a better actor and now this movie is hopeless, you know, because you've just assumed you can do it all. Uh, and, uh, and so that's a very B-grade kind of production of life or movie of our lives if we do it all by ourselves. Or you can relinquish control and say, all right, the whole set and production and plot and casting and CGI and everything and direction, I, I, I tell you what, I won't be the star. I'll just be a supporting actor in this picture that God's making. The big picture, the big movie, the big epic of life. And then you have this amazing director. And the star of the show isn't you or me, it's the Lord Jesus. But we have a wonderful part to play. I mean, let's face it, if you've ever done the acting, if you had a choice between never getting any acting jobs at all or a really bad, hopeless movie that you made all by yourself that no one watches and you're embarrassed by, or getting a part to play in an amazing famous film, wouldn't you take the latter option? You wouldn't say, oh no, I'm not going to play in that movie because I'm not the star. You idiot, it's a great job, you know, it's a great gig, it's a great, and it'd be exciting and, you, and there'd be other stars and you don't expect, you know, you'd, and so this is our calling. If we humble ourselves, we can be part of something wonderful 
and Jesus is the star. Here's another scripture from the Old Testament, again applying to us uh, today, Jeremiah 29.11. You may know this, very well known verse in the Bible. God speaking, saying, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So there's vision, that's God's will. And of course, this was originally prophesied to the Jewish people in captivity. They'd been taken out of their homeland and taken over to Babylon. And now here's God saying, look, even though times are tough, I have a plan for you and I will bless you and I will help you. And this is, again, applicable to us today, especially if people have been, uh, you know, in a, a time of captivity, if you like, or a time of difficulty where you, think, you, you feel like things haven't gone according to plan. God still has a plan. God can still turn things around. He's able to help you navigate your way through those difficult times and find your way back into the promised land. And that was his promise here for these people. So notice a couple of things. Notice that he wants to bless us. There's his will. I, I, look, I've got great plans for you. I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. I don't want to harm you. I, I just want to give you hope. I want to give you a sense of a great future. So that's exciting. But notice how that blessing comes when people are lined up with his bigger picture, with his will. Because God doesn't say, oh, I'm going to bless you so much. Now you're in captivity. You disobeyed me. I sent you there. And just keep doing your own thing. And that, no, no, this was linked to him returning them to the promised land for them to be part of his big picture to fulfill the plan that he had given, the vision he had given Abraham hundreds of years earlier. A, pl a promise and a plan to have people in this area of Canaan, the promised land that is now Israel, contentiously with a few border issues, but still what they you know, have reclaimed over through history a number of times, and most recently, 1948, as their promised land. And this is God saying, yeah, this is my will for my people. And if you get on board with that program, that's where the blessing is. So there's a win-win. He doesn't just say, look, I'm doing this great big plan. You are my little pawns on the chessboard and I'm not going to bless you. It's all about me. You do as you're told. No, no, no. And neither does he say, do whatever you like and my blessing, I'll just follow you wherever you go. They connect when people are in line with the will of God. That's where the blessing is. And it's the same for us. We can find our blessing when we find God's vision, God's ways, God's purposes. Can you see that? And so, you know, when we sign on for the part that God has for us in his movie, well, we could put it another way. When we commit to his church, we give our lives to Christ and we commit to his family, that's what it is to be a church member, not a, a pew warmer, a black cloth-backed seat warmer, just attending, but someone who's passionate and involved and committed and like aware, oh, God, this is a, a family, a community. I, I'm called into it. I can serve, use my gifts. I could. Well, that's, that's what it's like for us to be in his big picture, to be involved. And when we do that, that's when we get blessed. That's the win-win, the, the, the connection. Um, and, uh, and you see that. I've seen that. Uh, so many times over the years where people who have really maybe not much going on in the natural realm, you know, they haven't had a great upbringing, they might not have a lot of uh, a particularly strong skill set or level of 
charisma or whatever things people consider as being important and they just commit into the house of God. They just love Jesus and their life works out. Their life gets blessed. And conversely, I've seen people who are so talented and their life ends up like a train wreck because they're just outside the blessing of God that he wants to cover them with in his house and in his family. And so, uh, so God's got something new for us. And come on, new things are generally better than old, right? We can, we can like there are some things, some things stay the same. That's cool. I'll talk about that in a second. But generally, when God is moving forward, doing something fresh and new, we want to be on, on that. Uh, for example, air conditioning. When I was a kid, I mean, you know, like if you're as old as me and I'm now a granddad, so that's really old, uh, we didn't have air conditioning when we were kids. I remember as a kid, I must have been under six because when we moved to Sydney when, we, when I was six, so we were living in Melbourne and I must have been like four or five and it was so hot, we spent the day on a weekend under the house. And we'd take it in turns to run upstairs and get a bottle of lemonade out of the fridge and come back down and we'd sit. And, you know, my father was a pilot. He was a well-employed person. It's not like we're living in a shack. This is a nice house in a new estate in Melbourne. And he's got his wife and two little kids sitting under the house. Remember the houses had those little hatches, like a little door, and it was just built up on, you know, the peering. And, and we're sitting in the dark there with the spiders and the lawnmower and a little bottle of lemonade, just sweating it out, and it was a hundred and something, because I don't know what it, you know, it was probably 40 or whatever, because there's always been hot weather, just saying, you know. You know, there's lots of change that occurs in climate throughout history. Um, and uh, I'm not a total sceptic, I'm just, there's stats. Uh, you know, and then what about driving in the car when you're a kid? Keelan asked about this the other day. He said, what did you do without air conditioning? He said, well, you... you didn't get to talk much because you had all the windows down. You go on holidays. <laughs> Are we there yet, Dad? I can't hear you. We've got the windows down. <laughs> There's blasts of hot air flying around. And, you know, you'd get some takeaway food. It's like, boom, the papers would be flying out there. There's the hamburger. Ah, I can't hear you. What's the problem? And it was all hot wind, remember? Just wind the windows down. That's as good as it got. No air conditioning. Oh, my grandfather, he had a Jaguar. He had air conditioning. Oh, wow. It was like, we're going in the jag, you know. You know but, and, uh, and so today, air conditioning's normal. I mean, in church life, you just remember we, in the, over the hill at Dell Road, had those great big fans. Have we still got those? I think I saw one this morning. Someone's put it in the cafe. Things are so noisy in summer, in this big warehouse thing. Couldn't air condition the whole thing. Put these fans on. And in summer, it was like... It was just wild. It was crazy. So air conditioning, how good is it? And so this is just like something new that develops that you wouldn't think, oh, the good old days without air con. You know, and so God is doing something new. But at the same time, some things stay the same. Our mission statement has been unchanged for years. We are continually reaching up to worship God, reaching out with the good news of Jesus, reaching in with love and discipleship so that we can fulfill our destiny. That's pretty cool. That's an all-encompassing plan of action for our church, general but, but consistent. And our vision overall is simply to bring glory to God. That doesn't need to change. 
we, you can put some other phrases and words on things, but that's a calling that we run with. And then specifically, there are things that we see. Let me come to a close and just remind you of the kind of things that we see specifically that some of them we've seen, some of them we're in the process, some we still contend for, but in God as a church, we see the church as a family, a thriving community of people with healthy, authentic, loving relationships. We see meetings that are filled with vibrant, anointed worship led by the Holy Spirit. We see people personally and passionately devoted to God through prayer and Bible reading. We see the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God changing lives. We see the good news of Jesus being shared out into the community, giving people an opportunity to commit their lives to Christ. We see people from all backgrounds being welcomed and accepted into God's house. We see the power of God at work with healings, miracles and spiritual gifts operating in the church. We see people discovering and developing their gifts and ministries and of all kinds uh, being trained and released to serve God. We see the next generation discovering Jesus for themselves and growing up to love him and follow him and serve him. We see generous giving and givers being blessed to be a blessing as an army of vision builders is raised up for the purposes of God. We see ongoing outreach to other communities and countries as the Holy Spirit leads us. We see churches being planted in new locations, new congregations and services being birthed even in this location. And as I said, and you, we could go on, you know, and you may have some specific things that God will anoint and excite you about that you, you see uh, that I don't see. But collectively, we see what God is doing together and we focus on him. We get on his track. Uh, things get exciting because he does unfold with faith and gifts how those things can get fulfilled, how those things can get accomplished. And as I said, some of them we've seen some we see in part and some remain to be seen, but we see them by faith. When we say we've seen them, we kind of see them, but we haven't seen them. Because here's one last scripture. Uh, look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Poor Sarah, I told her it was verse 19. She politely came back and said, Pastor, why? There's no verse 19. <laughs> what sort of Bible are you reading? You know, she's sweet. She's basically saying, you're a heretic, you've lost the plot. But she didn't say that. She just said... Is there another verse you'd like to use? Verse 18, not verse 19. Look, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How do you do that? Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So that's how faith and vision work. We see what isn't physical and temporary and not as important. We see what is eternal and spiritual because we see with faith. We see what. So the challenge is can you see the unseen? Will you spend enough time with the Lord and overcome some of our own insecurities and selfishness and focus on the now and what I need and all that to actually catch a vision that is, oh, the bigger picture, as they say, a little bit beyond my, what about me? What about my role in my movie? Okay, okay, well, just maybe forget that movie. And, ah, wow, look at this movie. I get it. There's a bigger picture. I can see the eternal things of God. And so my prayer, especially at this time of year and, and ongoing as a church, is that we all let God stir our spirit so that we can see what he has for us. 
and, and that he will anoint you and, and all of us and then lead us and challenge us and strengthen us so that we can see our role in his big picture. Amen? This year, now, and, and into the future. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.